On this episode of Podcastification, I'm having a round two with Chris Curran of the Podcast Engineering School, and this time we're going to be talking about EQ. What's that? Equalization. My name is Kerry Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. This show is all about podcasting, how to do it, how not to do it, best practices, interesting news items that have to do with the realm of podcasting, and who knows what else. And I'm trying to do it all with a little bit of fun and some information to help you get a show going, keep yours going, or make it better. And if you like what's going on here on the show, I would appreciate it, oh, so appreciate it, if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can find out how to do that at podcastfasttrack.com slash review. That's enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. I am so thankful you're back with me on Podcastification. I am going to be talking today with Chris Curran. He is the founder of the Podcast Engineering School. Um, I connected with Chris months and months ago, actually years ago probably, when he reached out to me to talk about show notes and those kinds of things. And we've just kind of hit it off. We both lived in Colorado for a while, so we had that in common. We both are drummers, so that was something we had in common. And Chris is one of those guys who spent his time in the world of music engineering and production. For years, he did work in the studio with artists like Foreigner, Sarah McLaughlin, Jeff Buckley, MC Hammer, Itzhak Perlman, Ice Cube, Philip Bailey, Biohazard, Biggie Smalls, Puffy, Heavy D, Helmet, Monster Magnet. I mean, it goes on and on and on. A lot of people who have made their living in music did so with Chris's help. So Chris knows his stuff. On this episode, we are going to dig into something I've received a lot of questions about, and that's the issue of equalization. And when I thought of who could I talk to who knows this better than I do, Chris was the first person who came to mind. Hey, keep on listening. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Chris Curran of the Podcast Engineering School. Hey, Chris Curran, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Carrie Green, traveling the United States of America. Oh, yeah, man. You heard about that, huh? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I am actually recording right now in what I call my podcast cockpit. It's uh, mm. used to be a bunk room in the RV that I took the bunks out and put foam all over it, and here I am. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. It's it's kind of a small room, so it can be kind of boomy, which I think we'll talk about here a little bit today. But Chris, let me give you some background on why I wanted to do this episode about EQ. And by the way, why don't you define for us, what do we mean when we say EQ? EQ is short for equalization, and it really has to do with the frequencies in the sound. So adjusting the different frequencies in the sound, because a lot of the frequencies sound different from each other. So adjusting the frequency levels, that's called EQing or equalizing. Yeah. So for those of us who were alive back in the 70s and 80s, it was that component in the middle of your stereo rack that had all the little sliders on it, right? (laughs) Uh, It had this wavy look to it if people had it set properly. So (laughs) that's what it is. So I wanted to talk to you about EQ because first of all, I know you're one of the guys who really understands it well. 
But I've also recently got an email from someone who subscribed to my podcast and has been listening to all the episodes. And she sent me a question and she said, how come none of these podcasts about podcasting talk about EQ very much? Because it's something she couldn't really find information on, at least that was helpful to her. And I realized she probably hadn't listened to your show much because I know you talk about EQ a lot, but then that gave me the idea. Why don't I just invite Chris on the show again and we'll talk about EQ. Yeah. Well, it's a good question. And the answer is because in general, podcasters and people who are involved in podcasting are novice when it comes to audio. They know very little in general. And people say, like there's podcasting coaches all around the world who say, don't worry about the equipment or the knowledge, just plug in your mic and get started. And I love that because it's true. Yeah. But on the other hand, I feel her pain of not being able to find the answer. I mean, like you said, my show on the podcast engineering show, we talk about all that stuff all the time. And I know there's probably a few other shows too, but but it's a good question. Yeah. So hopefully we can shed some light uh, on the subject for her today. Yeah. And so EQ is one of those things that's kind of visual because you have to be able to look at your software interface and adjust frequencies here and there as you're trying to fix certain problems. So we're going to have a little bit of a challenge here doing an audio medium for a visual thing, but it's not entirely visual. Chris has some little demos set up he's going to help us with to understand the difference between one issue and another. All right. Now, Chris, I know that some people, when we're talking about EQ, they're already uh, shaken with the heebie-jeebies because it sounds real technical and all of that. And if they were to open up the actual equalization effect on their software, that would be even worse because you have all these sliders and dials and waves and all that stuff. So I would love it if you could help us real quickly to walk through what it is that you're seeing when you're looking at EQ. Now, I understand every DAW is going to be different. Everyone's going to have slight little nuances, but in general, you're going to have some kind of graphic interface to look at. So describe it to us, and I'll also grab some screenshots from different software that are that are most popular to include in the show notes for this episode. So that would be like Pro Tools and Reaper and Hindenburg and Audacity and, and whatever uh, Adobe's thing is. What is Adobe called right. now? I, Audition. I lose, Audition, yeah. I lose track yeah, of it because I don't use it. But describe to us what we're going to see when we're looking at the EQ. So there are many, many types of EQs and the graphic interface that you're going to see on the screen can be vastly different. So you could have 10 EQs and they will all look vastly different. So here's the way to break it down simply at first. When you're thinking about EQ or you're going to use an EQ, a couple of the main controls are the frequency. So for instance, what frequency do you want to boost or cut? And somewhere on in the EQ, there'll be some sort of frequency selector that you can turn a dial or move a slider, do something to choose a frequency. And then there'll be another control to boost or cut. And boost meaning you're adding those frequencies and cut meaning you're subtracting those frequencies. In the simplest description of an EQ of, of how to just open one up and start using it, that's it. Pick the frequency and boost or cut. Then you can start moving the frequency around. Like, let's say if you choose 400 hertz and you want to boost some of that, but then it doesn't sound right. So then maybe move the frequency down to 300 hertz and boost some of that and see how that sounds. So boosting and cutting, that's the basics. And then you can get a little more tricky with the Q, which the Q is the width that it's boosting or cutting. 
you can boost a really narrow band of frequencies or a wider band of frequencies. So the Q knob is what determines if it's a skinny band of frequencies or a wide band. Those are the main controls of any EQ. Frequency, the level, meaning boost or cut, and the Q. Yeah, that's very helpful. I think many people probably get started using Audacity. And so for the sake of of helping you understand EQ a little better, I pulled up Audacity here and I'm looking at it as Chris is describing things. It has two options for what kind of interface you're looking at. One is a, a little tick box for draw curves. Okay. And you see the frequency level there across the bottom. And then you see the DBs going up and down on the left-hand side. And then it's got just these curvy lines across the middle of it. There's no sliders. There's no controls. You just grab the curvy line and you move it where you want it to be. You can even go, you know, right to left on it. Once you grab it, it's kind of like a rubber band that you're moving around. Right. So in that interface, you're grabbing the frequency and you're then you're boosting or cutting and you're doing all that by grabbing that line and moving it. Same thing in FabFilter, some, one of the EQs that I really like. Same thing. It's a line and you just grab it and boost it or cut it or move it left to right to choose different frequencies. Yeah. Yep. And in this particular one, just looking at it, it's not a real fine-tuned thing. I mean, <laughs> it, it's a lot of space there uh, crammed into a little tiny area. Now, you can obviously maximize the window and get a little more granular if you need to. Now, Chris was talking about Q also, meaning the width of the frequency that you're dealing with. I think in Audacity, what's called is length of filter. Does that sound possible to you, Chris, that that's talking about the Q? I don't think so. Yeah, because it'll go all the way down to 21 and then all the way up to 8191 is the range on this length of filter. Filters typically are when you sort of roll off the frequencies at the very far end of the spectrum. So hmm. you can roll off, let's say, from 30 hertz and below. That's like a high-pass filter, correct? Correct. Yeah. So you're letting the high frequencies pass through and rolling off the low ones. And so a low-pass filter would be the opposite, where you're letting right. the low come through and the high ones get rolled off. That makes sense to me. So I'll have to investigate this length of filter thing here a little bit and see exactly what that means. Um, well, you said you can adjust it from 21 hertz up to 81 hertz? Yeah, from 21 all the way up to 8191. Oh, 8,000. Yeah, interesting. There's probably something in the Audacity paperwork that tells you about it. So I'll, I'll investigate that a little more. But there's another option within Audacity called Graphic EQ. And this is more traditionally what I'm used to looking at. It's got the wavy line and everything just as before, but below it are all these sliders at the various EQ levels that you can use to adjust things. And if you maximize the window, it's very granular. You can see you know, exactly which frequencies you're dealing with and the effect that your movement of the sliders is having. So I've always used this one if I use EQ uh, just because it's a little simpler uh, in my mind. but. Anyway, that's helpful, Chris. I think when people know what it is they're looking at, then what we're about to talk about with all these terms and sounds and how to adjust certain things will make a whole lot more sense. But Chris, let's start out just talking about frequencies in general. I've got a chart in front of me, which I'm going to include in the show notes for this episode, that shows the frequency range that the human ear can hear. Okay, so it's from like 20 hertz all the way down on the low end, all the way up to 20K at the top end. Why don't you explain to us for a, a novice person 
what is all this about Hertz and K and, and what are we actually talking about when we talk about frequencies? Yeah. So the human hearing, like you mentioned, the human hearing range is from 20 Hertz to 20,000 Hertz. That's what 20K stands for, 20,000 yeah. Hertz. And a Hertz is just short for cycles per second. So it's just how many times the wave goes through its full cycle, like a sine wave goes up above the zero line, then down below the zero line, and then back to zero. That's one cycle. So that's one hertz, if you want to call it that. Yeah. So so the different frequencies have different wavelengths, and there's some science behind it, which I actually teach in my course. In general, the low frequencies you know, is where the bass is, the fullness, the full sounding. The mid-range, what we call mid-range, is around 1,000 hertz or one kilohertz, right? That's known to be the mid-range. And then the high frequencies is where like the clarity is. Clarity is probably the, the best word overall. And then within that, so you have the low frequencies, the mid frequencies, and the high frequencies. And within that, there are differences too. Like within the low frequencies, there's several different areas of low frequencies that have a different sound. You can really kind of zoom in and, and get a little crazy. But in general, you don't need to get that crazy with EQ, especially with the human voice. Yeah, the human voice is much more limited than that range we're talking about. It can't sing or speak that low or that high, generally speaking. So here's the thing. You're correct in that, let's say 20 hertz, which is probably the lowest frequency the human ear can hear. 20 hertz is really, really low. I mean, it's such a low frequency. But like when I'm talking right now, there is a tiny bit of 20 hertz in my voice. You must it's, be Barry White. No, in your voice too, every voice. It's just that the level of 20 hertz is really low. Got it. You know, so if I was to, here, I'm going to take my EQ. Let's let's start playing with this. So yeah. what I'm doing right now is I actually have an EQ that I'm going to put on my voice right now. And you're going to hear, I'm going to do from about 100 hertz down. And if I start boosting these frequencies here, does that you hear a lot more low frequencies in there, Carrie? Yeah, your voice became. I, I think the way I would describe it is it became more full or deep sounding. Yeah, full or deep. So these are the low. But if I really bring it down, like now I'm just adding like twenty and thirty hertz, really, really low. You probably can't even hear it. Yeah. If you're on a big stereo system, you might hear it. You'll, the, the woofers will start moving. So yeah. So basically. And I just turned the EQ off on my voice. So basically, t 20 hertz is there. It's just so low in the human voice. So it's like, an, it's like an undertone in the human voice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So let me ask you this question, okay? And by the way, let me pause for a second. If you're listening to this with earbuds or something like that, you're probably not going to get the effect of what Chris right. is doing as, as well as you could if you had on a good set of noise-canceling headphones or something like that. So if you have a chance to listen in that kind of environment, hey, please do. Because you'll get the point of what Chris is doing a lot more clearly. So back to my question, Chris. When we're talking about podcasting, EQ is a lot simpler than it would be if, say, we were mixing music. Correct? Because we have a lot less frequencies to play with with a human voice than we do with music. Am I right about that? That's kind of true, but it differs for every voice. So, so one of the problems with podcasting is that I don't know if everyone listening knows that I produce podcasts for a living and I have you know, a stable of clients who I produce their shows and every one of my clients has guests on their show. And you know, when the guests come on the show, they never have a good microphone. That's they right. never have, they never have anything good, right? 
they're always using earbuds and they're in an airport or you, you know how it is. <laughs> or they're on the so, treadmill. Yeah. And so the funny thing is, if someone has, you know, a bad pair of earbuds and they're on the treadmill in the airport. <laughs> um, <laughs> uphill uh, you know, with the wind in their face. Up, yeah, Uphill both ways to school. You end up having to EQ their voice a lot. Because it's so bad to begin with. Yeah. Whereas in music production, usually in music, you have decent microphones and you can you can record it well. It's funny, even though the human voice typically requires less EQ, sometimes in podcasting, you got to go to town on some of these voices to make them sound decent because they're so horrible already. Some of what you're dealing with there, though, is background noise and extraneous noises that you wouldn't normally have in a recording, correct? Yes. And also level fluctuations, like if someone's on the mic and then they come off the mic and then they keep talking and they come back on yeah. the mic and then they, they keep off the mic. And it's to fix that, you use compression. That's a whole sure. other episode. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about compression another time. So, yeah, that's really helpful. I guess the point I was making when I was comparing the human voice to instruments and instrumentation is that various instruments produce their sounds at a various set of frequencies on the scale that we're talking about. Like violins would be much higher on the scale than say a bass guitar would be. The human right. voice tends to be more toward the mid range, but even that fluctuates between male and female, correct? Yeah. The human voice is mid range. And in a way, I do agree with your point that you stated before that working on a human voice or EQing a human voice is easier than EQing musical instruments because typically in podcast production, and now that I scared everybody about a horrible you know, earbud recordings and stuff. Typically, you don't have to do that much. And the main thing you have to do is sort of balance the low frequencies with the high frequencies. Because some voices you record, there'll be so much high frequencies that it'll, it sounds harsh and it almost hurts your ears. Yeah. Right. And there's not enough low frequencies. There's not enough fullness to the voice. There's just a lot of shrieky, it's thin sounding and high frequencies are actually, you know, hurting your ears. So then you either need to add some low end or take out some high end. And also the opposite can happen, where you'll record a voice, there'll be so much low frequency that there's not enough clarity. Like if I... Here we go. I'm going to take out some clarity on my voice. Yeah, how do I sound now? Yeah, you sound like you're speaking through a pillow. Yeah, how do I... Is this good? Does it sound good on a podcast? <laughs> no, if I was driving in the car, I wouldn't be able to understand you. Now my voice is back to normal. Yeah. That was a muffled sound. There wasn't enough clarity, right? It just sounded yeah. all, it sounded dull like I was speaking through a pillow. So typically balancing the high and low is, that's the easiest way to do it for the beginner. Let's yeah. Say. And so let me ask you a question to make that muffled sound. I'm assuming you took out a lot of the frequencies at the high end. Correct. So think yep. of the high end in terms of clarity. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. But it in also, general. if it's overdone, can be harsh or sharp, or yeah. even airy sounding sometimes. Am I correct on that? Yeah. How do I sound now? Don't I sound really good now? That's a great example, Chris. Yeah. You do, sound does this sound shrieky and nasty? <laughs> yeah, it's actually showing clipping on my little meter here. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, little red marks are coming up. Yeah. All right, I'm back to normal now. How's yeah. that sound? Better? Yeah, now much better. Back to your normal Barry White voice. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's helpful. That's very helpful. So the lows and the highs are some of the areas where the human voice usually needs more attention. That's what I'm, I'm gathering from what you just said. Sometimes. But look, here, let me just state this. If someone is using a decent microphone like an 
ATR2100 USB, which is probably the most popular podcasting mic. If someone is using that mic and they're speaking close to the mic, like an inch or two from the mic, you won't have to EQ that voice very much. I mean, you might want to adjust it slightly, but just by using a decent mic and speaking close to it, prop like with good microphone technique, that is so helpful. Yeah. yeah. Now, let me, just as a demonstration, I'm using the big brother of the AT2100s, the AT2005, same thing, USB microphone. I'm about two inches away, just like Chris described right now. And my voice comes out pretty clear. I mean, I'm in a room that's kind of padded, so there's not a lot of echo happening in the room. So it's coming out pretty well. And by the way, I usually process my episodes through Auphonic afterward. I'm not going to do that on this episode so you guys can hear the differences in what Chris is, is speaking about here. So, Chris, let me ask you, when you have those harsh sounds on the top end, diagnose that for me. What are some of the causes of those harsh sibilant kind of sounds on that top end? It's a combination of the voice that's speaking and the microphone that is picking up that voice. So you mean your third grade teacher might be a little bit on the harsh side? <laughs> it's possible, but if you put your third grade teacher on a really expensive, you know, Neumann vocal microphone, she'll sound like smooth as butter. Yeah, you know what interesting. I mean? So the microphone, so that's why earbuds are Look, I know why people use earbuds in podcasting. You know, podcast guests I'm talking about. Yeah. Because if anyone is hosting your own podcast show, never use earbuds. Spend 60 bucks and get the ATR2100. But guests who use earbuds, yeah, earbud mics are pretty terrible. They're not really good mics. That's going to affect the sound. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it could be a bad mic. It could be just a kind of a harsh voice to begin with. What about room conditions? What could happen in a room that would cause those top frequencies to be kind of harsh? Not much. When you talk about the room they're in, you're basically talking about the amount of reflections and reverb that might be you know, picked up by the microphone. Yeah. So normally what we call the dry signal, if someone is near talking into a microphone, their voice that goes right into the microphone, we call that the dry signal because it's just straight into the mic. But then what happens is their voice bounces off all the walls a million times and echoes around the room. And that echo sound, some of it comes in the mic as well. So that's like the room sound or the reverb sound. That room and reverb sound, I wouldn't say it's harsh. Like the direct sound can be harsh. It's not harsh, but that's kind of a different problem. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So we would deal with that in a different frequency range than the high end. The room reflections and the reverb can be full spectrum from low end to high end. You know, when you meet someone like Chris, who knows his stuff and loves it, just like he does, it is an exciting thing. It's actually a lot of fun to be around Chris. I was able to hang out with him at PodFest this last year for just a little bit. He's a funny guy. He's very interested in what you've got going on. And he is genuinely helpful in any way that he can be. And I'm mentioning all that to mention this. Chris has the podcast engineering school that he conducts periodically throughout the year. I believe he's got another session coming up soon that you could get in on. Now, podcast engineering school, you're going to learn all the stuff Chris is talking about on this episode having to do with equalization and a whole lot more. It's all going to set you up 
to either produce your own podcast with excellence when it comes to sound quality, or you could potentially become a podcast editor yourself and do this kind of stuff for a living, just like Chris does, just like I do, just like many people on my team do. If you're interested in checking out the Podcast Engineering School, I have an affiliate code from Chris that you are welcome to use. And by affiliate, you know what that means. It means I might get a cup of coffee out of the deal because you've used my link. But you can go to podcastfasttrack.com slash P-E-S to go through my affiliate code. But if you don't want to use the affiliate code, that's cool too. Just go to podcastengineeringschool.com and you're going to find out everything that you need to know about Chris's upcoming course. Don't delay. These things fill up fast. There are a lot of people wanting a piece of Chris's time. And I think you know why he really knows what he's talking about. And everyone who's ever gone through the course that I've talked to has never regretted the money they've spent on it. So that's Podcast Engineering School. I want to walk through a handful of terms I've heard that people use to describe a type of audio or the way an audio piece sounds. And I want you to, first of all, define for us what people mean when they say that and then how you would address it in EQ or if EQ can address it at all. Okay, so I've heard people say the audio sounds kind of airy. What do you think they mean when they say that? Okay, um, I'm going for my telephone sound right now. Yeah. Here we go. Does it sound like I'm on the telephone now? Yeah, it sure does. Okay, there you go. We'll talk, we can talk about how I did this later. But all right, now I'm back to my normal sound. Airy is part of the high frequencies. So I would say from about three or four kilohertz up, well, let's put it this way. From three to five kilohertz, you might call them high mids. So that's kind of like the middle ground between the, the 1K, the mid frequencies, and then the high frequencies. So three to five kilohertz, that range is high mids. Once you get above 5K or 6K, now, you're, now you could call them high frequencies. And airy specifically is maybe 10 kilohertz and up, or maybe even 11 or 12 kilohertz and up. Airy is a term used to, in a way, it's not really applicable to podcasting because, again, it's a human voice mm. and there's not supposed to be a lot of information above 10K. I mean, there's supposed to be some, but typically if you're recording a violin or, or any musical instrument that has needs a lot of clarity, above 10 kilohertz is considered airy and that just gives it the sound of like wide and like... Like it's clarity, but a really fine clarity. That's yeah. what airy is meant to be. Okay. So if there is an audio recording that has kind of an airy feel to it, they might want to play around with 11 kilohertz and above on their EQ to see if it makes any improvement. Yeah. I mean, you could try adding some, try taking some away and see how it sounds. Sure. Okay. All right. Now I've used this word already in our conversation today, but sibilance, what is meant by sibilance? Sibilance is a harsh, high-frequency sound that occurs when people pronounce certain syllables and phrases or letters like S, like sibilance, like snake, like when they say the S sound. Some people's voices really accentuate that sound. Like you probably heard it in regular conversation. Like sure. some people, it can almost become like a whistle when they say yeah. whistle. Yeah. It's like it, that little sound is like, oh, that's loud. So when, when you take a person who has accentuated sibilance and you put them on a mic, 
that captures that sibilance really well. Remember, because all mics are different, right? Some mics are not going to capture the sibilance as well. Some mics will accentuate the sibilance even more. So if you take a person with sibilance and put them on a mic that picks up that sibilance a lot, that is a harsh sound to the listener. It actually can sort of hurt your ears. Yeah. So the sibilance can be a problem. I'd say in maybe about half the people, half the voices I process, I need to use something called a de-esser. Yeah. And the de-esser is how you reduce that sharp sibilance so that it doesn't hurt your listener's ears. Yeah. And so what is a de-esser actually doing to the frequencies? Well, there's different de-essers, obviously, but some of them you can choose the frequencies where it acts. Sibilance typically takes place between, I guess the widest range might be four kilohertz up to, I don't know, let's say 10 or 11 kilohertz. That's the range of sibilance. And it's not always that wide. Some people's sibilance is like six to eight kilohertz. I think what the textbooks say is that typical male sibilance is five to seven kilohertz and typical female sibilance is six to eight kilohertz. But sometimes it can happen a little lower or a little higher than that range. But yeah, so you you take a, a de-esser is a processor you can use and it will only process that frequency range. So let's mm. say it's five to seven kilohertz. Well, you use a de-esser, it's only going to affect that range between five and seven kilohertz. It's not going to touch any of the mid frequencies or low frequencies or from seven kilohertz up. It won't even touch that. So it's real nice. It just, it only tones down the sibilance in that little range and that's all it does. Yeah. Okay. That totally makes sense. By the way, if you're looking for a decent de-esser plugin, um, there's one that I've used in Audacity, but it's the kind of plugin you can plug into any sort of DAW and it's called Digital Spitfish. It's kind of a funny name, but it actually works really well. I don't think it's supported anymore by the maker, but it's still out there. You can grab a copy of that if you want to play around with a de-esser. How does this sound? How does my voice sound now? Does it sound sharp? Yeah, a lot Sibilance. more. Yeah, a lot more. Psycho. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to normal. Yeah. And my next set of terms are two that I hear together a lot, and that is that they say the voice sounds honky or nasally. Describe that for us. What, what are we listening to when we hear a voice like that? <laughs> Just so everyone knows, these words like airy and honky and nasally and boomy and, and harsh and like, there's a lot of adjectives to describe audio. And I don't know that all of them have like specifically defined definitions. Like, I mean, I think they do, but I mean, I, I came up through the studios in the nineties working on records. And so I just heard engineers talking about all these words and even colors and like mm -hmm. you can describe audio in so many ways. And it's sometimes hard to explain these things, but nasally in my experience mostly has to do with the person's voice. Okay. I mean, I mean, some people, they just, when they, they just sound nasally and when they talk that, I mean, their voice just sounds like this. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of frequency ranges, usually it's the mid range and the low mids. So maybe around one kilohertz and below, maybe from like 500 hertz up to 1,000 hertz, up to 1K. That's like a low mid slash mid kind of area. Sometimes if you remove some of that, it'll clear up the voice. So okay. nasally, the best thing to do when you hear a voice and you hear there's something weird in there, it's real easy to just take an EQ and just sweep through the frequencies. Like, for instance, I could do it with, on my voice right now. All right, so now I'm boosting... Uh, 465 hertz 
I'm boosting four. Now it's 490. Now I'm moving it up. This is 634 hertz. Can you hear the difference, Karen? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So are you adding more in each of those ranges to the one before, or are you just dropping the other one back to normal and then adding the new one? I'm starting flat with okay. nothing, and I'm just boosting around whatever frequency it yeah. is. Yeah, okay. So that's what you mean by sweeping through, is just playing with each one and seeing how it affects the sound of the voice. Yeah, you can hear it and you can turn it up. All right, now it's at 787 hertz I'm boosting. How's that sound? Does that sound na- like nasally? And All right, let me, let me go down even further. All right, let me go down to 350. All right, here's 350. Now it sounds like you're down in a well somewhere and your voice is kind of echoing out. Yeah. So I turned it off. So what you can do is sweep through and see. You can hear for yourself like, oh, that sound. And when you get to a frequency that's it's like, oh, that sounds nasty. (laughs) Then remove some of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I get it. Then you clear it up. So that's nasally honky. I'm I'm not sure how to respond to that. <laughs> yeah, you want to be politically correct on that one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's yeah, yeah, one. I get it. Okay, the, I think nasally and honky, I hear interchangeably used. Okay. So it's probably addressed in the same thing. Now, how about boxy? I hear someone say, it's, it just sounds really boxy. What do they mean by that? Boxy is like the low mids, like around 300 to 400 hertz. So let me uh, let me add some of that. All right. Yeah. Now I'm adding around 350. Yeah. Does that sound boxy? Yeah. To me, I get, the words that come to my mind are it sounds dry and it sounds kind of hollow. Like, like I can it, widen it up here a little yeah. bit if you want. Yeah. I can definitely. add a little more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How's this sound? A little, uh, little. Yeah. I mean, that's even giving me some clipping as well. Okay. So now I'm, I'm making it less wide. And then, but here's the thing. So listen to my voice now. I'm adding a bunch. I'm adding a lot at 350 hertz. Now watch what happens. I'm going to remove it. And now I'm right about at my flat setting. So I'm not really adding or subtracting. But now listen as I subtract 350 hertz. Sure. Here we go. Now I'm subtracting 350 hertz. How's that sound? Now I'm subtracting it. Doesn't it sounds a little thinner, right? Yeah. Yeah, a little thinner. There's not enough beef. There's not enough oomph, right? There's not enough uh, thickness, you might say. Sure. The thickness and the body, those two terms, thickness and body, go along with boxy. Boxy is when there's too much of it. Thickness is when there's a good amount. So that's low mids, 300 to 400 hertz. That And in fact, in in my experience, that's the range I always go to first. When I hear something and if I'm going to start to EQ something, low mids is where I start because usually a small tweak there can just clean everything up or fix a lot and those frequencies are so important so yeah that's great and the human voice falls right in there most of the time as well so yeah there's a lot of the human voice in there absolutely yeah yeah so that makes sense okay how about the term boominess when i hear people say that what are they talking about boomy i don't know i think they probably talk about like the low frequencies like uh 115 hertz hold on but i want to make this a low shelf yeah, boominess. I don't know. Does this sound boomy? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say echoey, but it sounds yeah, it sounds broader and bigger. Yeah, broader and bigger. So, all right, I turned it off. So, boomy. Yeah, I mean it's it's low frequencies. That's the way I hear it. If there's a lot, if there's a too much low frequency in there, too much fullness, and especially if you add like, for instance, the real low, like like let's say seventy or eighty hertz. 
So yeah, I'm adding a bunch at 70, 72 hertz. So I don't know. It's again, I don't know the exact definitions of these. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that makes sense to me. So you're talking about a range between say 70 hertz and 120 ish, 125 hertz, somewhere in there. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Guess so. Would 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 be <laughs> where you'd I'm start. On with, is it with this? <laughs> no, 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 you're not on record. You're just uh, you're just recorded and on the internet for eternity. That's all. Um, Are you in Congress right now? <laughs> is this being taped? <laughs> I have no recollection of that, Senator. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I do not recall. We're not trying to pin you down. I'm just trying to help people understand if you if you're dealing with a problem you feel is boomy. Where should you go in your EQ to try and deal with that? And so somewhere around 70 to 120, just play around with all those. Yeah. I mean, you could just sweep these frequencies, right? Yeah. Add 15 dB at 80 hertz, let's say, Mm -hmm. and hear how it sounds. And then then just sweep up, change the 80 to 100. Yeah. And then listen, then change 100 to 120. Listen. Very helpful. Very helpful. All right. One last term I've heard used, and I've probably heard others, but these are the ones that come to mind, is rumble. When they say the track has some rumble in it, would you hear that to mean? I actually have never heard that. Really? Okay. Yeah. I would assume it's really low frequency. Like, yeah. I would assume that's referring to music where yeah, like- I think the, so too. The space, like the really low, the kind that like vibrates yeah. the walls and furniture and stuff. Yeah. I think so too. And I think it's probably something that that's being heard when- there are low frequencies from multiple sources that are competing with each other, you know, like a mm. bass and a bass drum and a piano way down low, you know, you know, maybe one instrument needs to be pulled back a little on the low end to let the others kind of cut through. Um, right. You know, it's more muddy. Yeah. And in podcasting, you know, we're talking about EQing the human voice, but pretty much every podcast has intro music, right? Yeah. So yeah. that intro music sometimes can really have too much low end or too much high end. Mm-hmm. So you might slightly EQ your music, slightly. Yeah. Now, most music you buy is going to be already mixed and mastered and it's going to sound really good, right? It's going to oh, have you think lows and highs. You yeah. think it is. I've gotten, ah! some, I've gotten some pieces from clients that are just awful. Rubbish. Yeah, just <laughs> awful. You could tell it's probably someone off Fiverr who mixed it in their home oh, somewhat okay. studio, you know, and that kind of thing. But anyway, yeah, I get your point, though. That music can need a little bit of tweaking sometimes for the sake of uh, being listenable on a podcast without being too dramatically different from the voices that are going to be included. Well, this is all very helpful, Chris. Let me um, turn a corner here for a second and talk about the, the most common things that seem to be issues with podcasters. We've already talked about the harshness. We've already talked about boxiness, which I think is one of those things that's that's fairly common. When you're dealing with your client audio and, and other things, you've already made it really clear that part of the issue is the microphones that are being used. And I think all podcasters probably deal with that if they have guests on their show, because you know people will think the microphone in their computer is good enough. So what are things EQ-wise or, or otherwise that could be done to help with those kinds of issues? Look, with guests, you never know what you're going to get. And obviously, you have to deal with that carefully, right? Because you don't want a guest to show up, connect with earbuds, and then and then you say, you know what? No, we can't do it with earbuds. You need to go out and buy a $100 microphone and we mm-hmm. need to reschedule. Like, you know, obviously, you're not going to say that. So with guests, anything goes and you just got to do the best you can. And so what that means is capturing the audio as cleanly as possible. And 
Also, in instructing your guests. That's, I mean, I spend about an hour in podcast engineering school teaching my students how to actually sound check guests and how to make sure they don't do all the silly things they do, like tapping the table and rubbing their earbud mic on their shirt and, yeah. and you know, wiping the dust off their computer and turning their head left to right. Like, I mean, there's a million things that make the audio sound terrible. And it's if you train your guest a little bit, it makes a big difference. Oh, yeah. And of course, making sure the recording level is strong enough. And so you don't record this weak little wimpy level, which when you boost it later, it's going to have all bunch of noise in it. But yeah, as far as mic and EQ goes, yeah, you kind of got to live with what you get. Of course, after you train them, even guests who have microphones, like you'd be surprised. You have to tell them like, could you just stay one inch from the microphone all the time, please? Yeah. Quit because, moving around. Yeah. Because they don't know. They're like, they just think, especially people with the, the dreaded blue Yeti, they just, they think <laughs> they could just put it on there and then, okay, then they could just, I mean, sounds like some people are walking around the room. But as far as hosts of shows, like, yeah, it comes down to the voice and the microphone choice. And, and microphone technique. So one thing podcasters should do is obviously have a decent mic, but then sort of come up with their strategy of how they're going to record every episode and do it the same every time. Hmm. So put the mic in the same position, be one inch away from the mic when you're talking at all time. When you're talking, when you're not talking, you can lean back and do whatever you want. But when you're talking, you should be one inch away from the mic and have it go into the computer and record it at the same level every time. Because if you do everything the same every time, you're going to make sure that it sounds good every time. And then later on, if you want need to EQ your own voice or something, you can even save the settings on the EQ. Just make it sound good once, save that as a preset, and just apply it every other episode. Save you a lot of time, actually. Yeah, that's totally understandable, and it's good advice. Okay, so Chris, I truly appreciate all your insight on this EQ thing. There's obviously a lot that I have to learn, but I think we've done a pretty good job giving a primer here for people who can get in and be dangerous with EQ now. <laughs> so give me some some final thoughts on this whole issue of EQ. Yeah, so this was, yeah, like you said, maybe like an initial primer. EQ is a pretty deep subject. But like I said before, if you're just an average podcaster, you don't have to use much of it. You just need to learn a little and you'll be fine. One thing that normally happens with people who are learning how to use EQ is that they overdo it. They use too much. They'll find a frequency that they like and, ooh, this low frequency makes me sound huge like I'm on the radio. Ooh, I love it. I'm going to add a thousand dB of it. Like, you know. The rookie mistake is to overdo it. Same thing with the high frequencies. It's like, ooh, when I add 10K, it just sounds nice and smooth and airy. And then what happens is you end up adding way too much and overdoing it. So just know that, right? So if yeah. you find frequencies that you like, go ahead and boost them. But maybe not as... If you want to add 10 dB, maybe only add five and live, yeah. live with that. Listen to it for a little bit, right? Yeah, it's kind of like finding a favorite new spice, you know, you add, you, you <laughs> yeah. suddenly love basil and you're putting it in everything. Well, suddenly all your cooking is going to taste like basil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Yeah, so good, that, that's it. And then, you know, as needed, you can learn more. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And if you want to learn more, Chris is on the show because he's so good at this stuff. He really understands it and he knows how to teach it. As you can tell, he's he's pretty good at doing examples of these kinds of things as well. So... Chris, why don't you tell us about Podcast Engineering School and how people can find out more? Yeah, so I started Podcast Engineering School because 
there was in general a real lack of audio skills with podcasters and, and podcast producers and editors believe it or not so i started the school to teach the really you know the audio engineering aspects of podcast production and the reason i can do that is because like i mentioned before i i do have a background in music production in the 90s i was in new york city i worked at some big studios i have album credits all this cool stuff and now I'm producing podcasts and I'm using, you know, really good software, good tools. I started the school for podcast editors and producers. The school was never meant to be just for a podcaster because it's probably overkill for just a podcaster, right? Yeah. Most podcasters like, look, if you get a good USB microphone and you just do some things correctly, you're good to go. Keep it simple. Just and you're good to go. But if you want to edit podcasts or if you do want your show to sound really good, then it's like, well, how do you get there? And that's why I started the school. Every quarter, we do another semester of the school. So anyway, details are on the website, podcastengineeringschool.com. Cool. And if you want to hear more about Podcast Engineering School, Chris and I recorded a conversation previously in this podcast feed. It was episode 101. So you can hear more of the lovely tones of Chris's voice. <laughs> If you go to podcastfasttrack.com slash 101. And Chris, I am so appreciative of you, man. You've brought a lot of value to the podcasting space, and I always enjoy hearing your insights into this audio stuff. So uh, you have any last words for the audience? Last words? Well, I don't have my sound clip set up. I, on my show, I play some sound clips of my old maintenance <laughs> guy, Barry. That would have been perfect, but I don't really have anything. But thank you, Carrie Green. I really appreciate it. Hopefully, we could talk soon. Yeah. Appreciate it, Chris. Thanks so much. Hello. Woo. I hope you did not get lost in the weeds there. Chris and I got into a lot of the deep stuff about how equalization works and why it's important. I would love to hear your feedback. You can reach out to me, Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y at podcastfasttrack.com or on social media, just hashtag podcastification. And let me know your thoughts about this episode with Chris Curran. And by the way, don't forget that his podcast engineering school is starting up soon and you can get in on the goods. Go to podcastfasttrack.com slash P-E-S. That's all the time we have for today. It's time for you to go out and make it a podcastificating day. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services without the time suck. Full production, editing, and show notes, all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at podcastfasttrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. Audio editing and show notes by podcastfasttrack.com. Get 15% off your first month by mentioning this show.